Welcome back to Hot Girl Healing Podcast. We took a hiatus, but now we're back with Yasmin Al-Shabasi, who graduated from Wesleyan University, a science and society major, and she now works at MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies. So, hey, Yasmin, how are you? Hey, Olivia. (laughs) She's also my BFF, so that's the vibes. (laughs) Do you have anything you want to say to introduce yourself? I think you did a perfect introduction. Um, Yeah, and we're homegirls. Me and Olivia knew each other in college. We spent spent many lifetimes together, it feels like. (laughs) Literally? Yeah. So first off, so we want to talk about today altered states of consciousness, correct? Yes. So I wanted to define what consciousness itself is first. So how, how would you define it? It's great. It's a great start. I feel like, I feel like consciousness is essence. Um, it's like a state that transcends the body and it's something that can't be conceptualized. So as much as I say, this is what I think it is, it's um, an approximation to an experience of beingness um, that we can only approximate with words. So even in defining it, you know, doesn't do the experience of consciousness justice because essentially it is an experience. But I I would say it is um, essence-ness, beingness. Yeah, I think Eckhart Tolle, when he tried to, well, when he did, like, he tried to describe it in in A New Earth, in his book, he said, like, think right now, like, that you're thinking, are you aware that you're thinking? And then, you know, you'd be like, yeah. And then he was like, well, the fact that you're aware that you're thinking, that's the consciousness. It's not the thoughts themselves. It's like, the thing that is aware that you are thinking or that you're feeling or that you're seeing. And so I think that was a good way that I kind of understood it. Um, Not like him trying to describe what it is, but him showing you that you can be aware of it. Yeah, I think the best way as like material beings in this world to like think of consciousness is the expressions of consciousness. Uh And I think for me, the most like awe-inspiring example of that is the human body like our bodies you know like the organic intelligence of a body like the autonomic functions that have you know been created after all these levels of evolution like the the heartbeat the respiration the digestion that happens outside of our awareness that flow of beingness that happens outside of the thinking mind, just as a nature of being, like the condition of being, like I think is like such a beautiful expression of consciousness that happens literally like inside, you know what I'm saying? Like it's contained inside of us. So I think um, although consciousness as an experience is hard to define, um, expressions of consciousness are so palpable. You know, even when we think about flow state, when we think about channeling, um, we think about psychedelic experiences, you know, expressions of consciousness. So let's get, so let's, let's, um, actually, so let's talk about the, 
normal experience of consciousness in I guess our collective now like why so we're going to talk about altered states of consciousness so what is the predominant normal per se uh, consciousness that is um main I guess the main way that we experience when we are not aware of ourselves yeah yeah I feel like waking consciousness I can speak for like my own waking consciousness and um there's like the neurology of it in that it's contained in the default mode network, which is a network of regions in the brain that through constant neuronal firing have been like wired to keep us um, sustained in our automatic life affirming processes, you know, the way that we move around the world. It's contained in that neurological region when we think of it physiologically, but when we think of like the subjective experiences of waking consciousness, it's the, it's the um, automatic, like waking out of bed, grabbing your phone or like running to go like take a shit, brushing your teeth, you know, like that, that the things that you do that are, are almost autonomic in the sense that um, they happen routinely, ritually, and then they, they make you think that you are separate, that this is who I am. You know, I am this person because I do these things every day or because I have this experience of identity. So I think waking consciousness is um, an experience of separateness that automates life-affirming functions. So it's not like, you know, kill the ego, it's a bad thing, kill your waking consciousness, it's, it's, it's terrible. It, it automates a lot of life-affirmingness, but I do think it is inherently an illusion of separateness. Yeah, so it's like we experience the world like me and then everything else around me and that is this illusion of separateness is yeah. the, the way we experience so what happens when you become conscious that you are experiencing life that way not that you like decide to change the way but like just you you what like maybe what is that experience that you realize that that is um you're experiencing life in a certain way. Like it's not just objectively, this is what life is like. It's it's a it's a it's a certain like level that you're experiencing, a certain way you're experiencing. Yeah, I mean it can get really meta, right? When you like become aware of yourself, like, oh shit, like I do that because of this. And I feel like examples of just like everyday little maybe a time when you realize like you're like, oh, I do that. Yeah. I think my first like awareness of self, not even my first, the first that I um, feel like began my personal spiritual journey was the awareness of my own codependency. Um, and, you know, our favorite podcast, Spiritual Shit, uh, there's an amazing episode on codependency and I listened to it. And this, like, it really taught me the importance of like learning from other humans who have experienced, like, you know, like really truly have experienced awareness and really learning from them because it was just something I haven't thought about before. Like the, um, she spoke on the codependency that lives in thinking about others all the time, you know? And it was something that I understand now I developed to keep me alive. Like I developed as a survival mechanism, like in my childhood, always having to read someone else's emotional expressions, always having to decipher whether someone's angry, you know, like being 
being on guard and like reading someone else like that, that is codependency in the sense that you're always, you know, precipitating someone else's emotions and trying to, and altering your own life to accommodate those person's emotions, you know? And at the time I was living with a close friend and I was having, we were having conflicts. And after listening to that episode, I was like, you know, like I'm codependent, like that was me, you know? Like I am I'm angry at someone else for having their own human experiences. And it was really just like an awareness of self that to be honest, the first thing I felt was shame, like, like shit, you know, like just, just kind of the dizziness of being like, you know, aware. And um, I think it was, it was beautiful still because it kind of led me down this journey of understanding more about myself because I think those initial moments can be very shameful and it's okay. You know, it's okay if that transient feeling of shame emerges, but I think ultimately it led me to a curiosity about myself because once you see yourself, it's like, you realize how you create your own suffering and you're insanely curious about how else you create your own suffering. Yeah, so it's like this, you function in the world a certain way and the, I guess what people would call being unconscious is that you don't question it. You're just existing. Like for you, you didn't think about like, oh, I'm, I'm choosing to be aware of other people's emotions and then I'm deciding to react on that. It was just like, that is just how you experienced life. There was no awareness that it was a choice or a decision that was subconsciously being made, right? Yeah, it was almost autonomic. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was almost autonomic. Mm, okay, so then I would say that that's like the collective consciousness. Why would there's so much suffering internally, like when we do little things, when we interact with others, because we don't realize we have uh, these reactions and these responses to people in the world around us because we're trying to protect ourselves essentially right like survival mode um so what does an altered state of consciousness allow like well, well first of all what is this, this altered state of consciousness for you for me an altered state of consciousness is um a moment outside of your default mode network in the scientific sense, like a moment where literally your brain, it's not um, firing in those same groves and patterns that have been like outlined by ritualistic experience or routine experience. You know, it's, it's allowing new areas of your brain to connect with each other, a new subjective experience to arise. And yeah, yeah, that, I think that, that would summarize it best. And um, I think for me, altered states of consciousness have been incredibly healing. And this isn't true for everybody. And I'm learning that now. Um, but altered states of consciousness have been incredibly healing for me in dislodging my sense of identity and allowing me to experience awareness of self. And um, shortly after the example I spoke to you about, about becoming aware of my own codependency in a friendship, I had um, my first mushroom experience, which Olivia knows all about, all about. <laughs> my first mushroom experience, which allowed me in an altered state of consciousness to embody like the emerging awarenesses I gained, you know? So it's not that the altered state of consciousness does the healing for you. It's that it allows you to experience an altered subjective experience of being in which you can enact those awarenesses that you gain, you know, intellectually, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
So what does it, um, what would, I guess it allow, what did it allow for you then to do when you had that experience or any experience of altered state of consciousness? What did it allow when you like kind of went back into your everyday life? What was different then? Yeah, I think um, every psychedelic experience lends itself to a different post session integration. I think after my first experience, what I experienced was a state of bliss because for me in this body, I had never experienced that state of, you know, oneness, beingness, expression, um, no judgment. I had never experienced that. So after experiencing that, I, I had like two months of pure bliss. And for me, the integration um, came when, you know, thoughts start to, started to arise again. And I was able to use that experience to dive deeper into myself and to explore myself. Yeah. And I think most recently, like two days ago, my, my LSD experience really was like just an experience that allowed me to suspend my self-identity like so completely, so completely that what emerged was, was a deep awareness of self that even though didn't lead to like a completely embodied reality of being that different self or, or embodying all the changes that came from that new awareness, although it didn't do that, it created an awareness of self that allows me to commit to the practices. And I think the practices I'm learning outside of the psychedelic state that allow us to integrate the lessons from the psychedelic state or the altered state of consciousness, even if it isn't through psychedelics, yeah. um, is really what's so beautiful about that experience. So I wanted to bring up Jamie Wheel. Right? Oh, yeah. Awesome. So he talks about in the the video, your is it the future on, is it on or the your brain on drugs? It's titled the future is your brain on drugs. Okay, yeah. So that there's a video of him in an interview, and he talks about kind of three ways of achieving altered states of consciousness, or not. I don't want to say achieving, just like reaching altered states of consciousness. And he talks about psychedelics, meditation, and the flow state, and psychedelics being like the most direct. It seems like most immediate like it like direct experience um as opposed to the other two so yeah with psychedelics what well first of all let's define psychedelics for maybe people who aren't aware of them so what are psychedelics like what constitute constitutes a psychedelic uh, yeah um well starting with the definition of the word psychedelic it translates to mind manifesting which as I have more psychedelic experiences lends itself to be so fucking fitting because it truly is an opportunity for you to experience how your mind manifests into your physical reality, your material reality. Um, and there is the classical psychedelics that produce, um, I can never say this word right, serotonogenic, serotonogenic effects in humans, which means it alters our serotonin system serotonin being the hormone that allows us to experience happiness, pleasure, all those good feelings, that whole subjective experience. Um, 
And the, the psychedelics that I am familiar with, and I definitely would refer people to resources such as Psychonaut Wiki, Double Blind and the like um, to learn more. But what the ones that I am familiar with are mushrooms, LSD, um, and MDMA, which isn't a classical psychedelic. Some people debate its classification as a psychedelic, but those, those substances have been the ones that I've experienced and that um, I'm familiar with their subjective experiences and I'm familiar a bit with their, their um, neurochemical effects. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your yeah. question was, how do I define psychedelics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so just like, so what we're talking about, people can refer to. But yeah, like double blind is a really fun resource that I look at too. So with your first, I want to talk more about your first psychedelic experience um, specifically. And I, like, feel free to just, you know, like how you felt, like really just how you felt. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just what it was like and what it what maybe the person you were you felt you were before then and how you felt after mm -hmm. that experience yeah that experience was the most transformative experience of my life um i truly yeah it's really it's really beautiful i um i i've experienced um just a lot of disembodiment from cultural trauma, you know, like growing up um, in a very conservative um, Muslim household, I was very, I, I, as a survival mechanism, I learned to disconnect from my body, um, disconnect from my pleasure, surveil myself um, and deny my true intuition. And, um, it led to a lot of suffering. And I, I thought that was everyone's waking reality. I was out here and because it was my perspective, I attracted that in my life. So I was out here believing that, you know, misery, ooh, misery is, um, is the norm. We all are judgmental, the world sucks, you know, suffering, just anger, just true anger was my norm. Um, and of course that, was, that wasn't, all the time, you know, there were moments of happiness, of course, in that, but it was, it was always this, this feeling of dissatisfaction from, from the moment, um, I would say in like my early childhood that I can recall. And when I came into college, I started smoking weed and that my, that ability to, to, to have a different subjective experience of being was very healing for me. I took it way too far. I would smoke every day. It kind of, it kind of um, became a dissociative feeling of not wanting to exist in the psyche rather than taking a deep dive into my psyche to understand it better, which leads me to after graduating college, my first mushroom experience. It was um, pure chance. I had met my current boyfriend on Hinge and we were chatting it up about uh, psychedelics because I've always been just so curious. I had a roommate who uh, would always have Ham Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia on, which is also an amazing vice show that kind of explores psychoactive substances. But I was always just so scientifically curious about it. And I had this feeling in me that it would change my psychic state, but I would always, I was always so nervous. And then, um, like I said, my current boyfriend came over 
the first time we met and he was an amateur mycologist at the time and he had um, brought mushrooms with him and he said, I wanted to give these to you, you know, even if you don't take them, just one day you might want to explore your consciousness. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I had them in my room and I was like, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to have these with my homegirls. I'm going to have them with Ruby and we're going to like have a very like fun experience. And we get, you know what I'm saying? Just the yeah. Funness of it all. Um, and then the next morning I was by myself. I woke up, felt that similar feeling of just brain fog and fugue and just that feeling. And I looked at the mushrooms on my desk and I said, you know, all my roommates were gone for, for Christmas break. And I, I was supposed to be home with my family, but I was just so avoidant and I just so content in my own isolated misery. And I was like, you know, I'm going to take all these mushrooms. And it was, it was only about three grams. Um, but um, for someone who had no context, it was, it was definitely uncharacteristic, but I had taken the mushrooms by myself. I had played some frequencies, lit some juniper and just had the most beautiful experience of my life. I had an experience of just complete suspended self-judgment, um, complete expression. I had a, a moment where my throat chakra opened and I heard my voice and I never heard my voice. I had never felt um, so connected to my voice in the, in the way that it was channeling from a place within me, you know, just like a speaking, like we all know how we feel when we speak our truth. And when we're speaking some, something we don't believe, it feels weird to us. Maybe we, we say it in a tone that's like lower, or, but it was just such a connection to my voice that I felt like I had been severed from, from my, my, my experiences. And it was just so beautiful. And I became so intensely curious after that experience. I was a teacher at the time and it was, it was, beautiful being able to just be in service to children while I was having this experience. But it was truly a state of complete bliss for months after the experience. There was, there was just um, novelty, you know, awe in nature, experiencing nature and being in awe of the organic intelligence, like a flower fucking blooming on its own. How the fuck does it know to do that? You know, like just awe, like true awe and um, just, wanting this to be in service, which I believe is all of our true nature. It, it, it allowed me to experience my true, our true nature, you know, all of our true nature, which, you know, people experience all the time outside of psychedelics. But for me, psychedelics allowed me to experience it in a way that I had never experienced it before. And for me, it was like transformative in that sense, you know, but it's, it's just like Jamie Wheel said, you know, you can experience that in a flow state of creation, like you do with your art, people like, you know, sing, like any art, any creation, like people experience that in flow states, people experience that in meditation and psychedelics was my first introduction to the experience. And it was like a door. It was a door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a tool. It's yeah. a tool to experience your essence. Mm. So do you think if somebody were interested in doing psychedelics, what would you, I guess, advise them to think about or not think about or what? <laughs> yeah, I think trust, trust your intuition, trust yourself. If you are curious about the psychedelic state, if you are living a disembodied reality and you have an inkling of intuition that this psychedelic state would allow you to be immersed in your body, if you have just that, that, that feeling or that thought 
you know, explore it. Because at the end of the day, psychedelics are not going to kill you, you know, and they're non-toxic, they're non-addictive, they, they are relative, there's a safe substance, you know, I think um, what I would, what I would share is to really become aware of the cultural fear, fear that you've embodied when you're exploring psychedelics, because even myself, I, I've, I feel I've, I've had a number of psychedelic experiences and I still know that there are cultural fears that influence my, my interpretation of my experiences. You know, be aware that after the psychedelic experience, the cultural fear might, might tell you to invalidate your experience, that it was just a hallucinogenic effect. Oh, you experienced spirit? Oh no, you were just on drugs. Like, you know, it's, it's be aware, be aware of the cultural fear that you've embodied that are influencing your curiosity and your intuition and know that your intention will manifest with your experience. So if you are, if you are clear on your in, in, intention and, and you are clear on um, your, your experience, your experience's intention, truly intention, then trust yourself to have a psychedelic experience. And then of course, there's the set and setting, which in, in, in most harm reduction dialogues are expanded on and set being, again, your intention, your mindset, your goals for your trip, your, your connection with yourself that you hope to gain, or even your curiosity that you hope to explore, like whatever it is, your intention and setting being your physical environment, whatever environment of safety you can assure for yourself in that moment, whether it's being at home, being in nature, just a true understanding of safety, whether it's with someone or by yourself, ensuring your safety and your, your feeling of safety to guide that, that psychedelic experience. That's also an experience of vulnerability. Um, so that, that would be my, my general advice. And when people think about bad trips, mm -hmm. what would you say about that? And, and uh, for maybe someone who isn't familiar, like a bad trip is people, take the psychedelic and then they just have a really bad experience they just don't enjoy it they really want it to end um what what is i get what is a bad trip what what is it yeah a bad trip is a subjective experience that the psychedelic a, a really fearful psychedelic experience because a psychedelic experience can be overwhelming you know, and a bad trip is someone said, this was really overwhelming. I, I'm judging it as overwhelming and bad and it's bad. And it's okay that people, I think, you know, there's like a rush to be like, there's no bad trips. And there, I believe that there are no bad trips, but if someone had an experience of being overwhelmed by a psychedelic experience and they, they call it bad, that's okay. You know, but I think truly that there is no bad, bad trip in the sense that there was a fear that you had, um, that felt overwhelming and that 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 exists in your body and that's okay you know like we we have this tendency to like pathologize um what we don't understand or what the mind can't understand or categorize and we have a really hard time using language and conceptualization to 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 explain the psychedelic state so yes for many people without the schema it is very overwhelming you know i had a moment um during an lsd trip where i was in the bathroom by myself and, and to give context, I usually, I, I tend to trip with my partner and it's, it's very, um, it's a very beautiful experience, but tripping alone is also a very beautiful experience because I was alone and I had closed the door and I was sitting there and the sink turned into like an amorphous blob. Um, and I knew it wasn't, it was just way too tall. It was kind of textured kind of, and I was like, 
the fuck, you know? Like, and in that moment, I felt fear. And then I calmed my body, took a deep breath. And I was like, there is nothing there. There is nothing there. You're good, you're good. And I calmed myself. And in that moment, it just completely returned back to my normal vision and mind manifesting, you know, psychedelic. Like it allowed me to understand. I actually had a fear of being like alone in the dark, like this primordial fear of danger that arose in my body that I was able to address. And I was able to self-soothe myself in that moment. And that is so empowering being able to experience your fear, have your fear manifest and self-soothe yourself in that moment, you know? So, so truly bad trips are subjective experiences of fear. So I had watched a, I'd watched a um, video from Tales from the Trip mm. and that's a fun, fun YouTube series. Um, just, it's mostly celebrities and like, other not not huge celebrities but um they just talk about their experiences tripping and one of them was like um he was having a bad trip and he was just like oh my god like you know experiencing just scary stuff Mm -hmm. and then he was he just realized like oh I just need to say yes to everything just he was like there's a dragon breathing into my ear I just (laughs) need to allow it I just need to say yes yes like I almost like wanting it like I, I want it actually to have to yeah. because it's happening right now. And I think that I've never had a psychedelic experience for context, but I think even in, um, in an awareness state of just like living your everyday life, <laughs> normal everyday consciousness, bless you. <laughs> um, I think that is a principle that you can take anywhere. Like I think the resist or from what I've seen from people talking about bad trips is there's just a resistance to whatever is happening or whatever they're experiencing, which I think about everyday life. And that's what suffering is in everyday life. We believe things aren't as they should be. We believe there's an image of what things should be. And then when something presents that isn't the mind, what the mind has created, which should be, we say no to it and we resist it, even though it's already there. And so I thought that was a really cool, um, so I guess, you. yeah, mindset to have if you want to just be in a meditative state in general, um, just be aware of yourself. And then if someone can use that, if they ex- decide to go into a psychedelic experience, I think that's a really beautiful. Absolutely. Cool. What, do you, Absolutely. Yeah, what do you think about that? Has that been your experience with like being aware of resistance maybe or letting go or surrendering in? a psychedelic trip absolutely surrendering is so important especially honestly when you take acid because acid is 12 hours man (laughs) surrendering is a constant theme for me when I take specifically acid excuse me but um I I when you were speaking I was thinking also about um set and intention and how powerful it can be to uh to read spiritual texts before a trip and you know do whatever feels right and if this this doesn't feel right to you that's okay too but but I feel like for me reading a spiritual text for me just the ones that I read are Tibetan book of living and dying um a new earth Eckhart Tolle our fucking fave um but like reading reading those spiritual texts you know like 
can be so grounding before a trip for integration for like having an intention of okay i want to connect to my spirit i want to connect to my body i want to let my body's organic intelligence shine through like whatever intention you have if it's spiritually inclined like having that clarity before a trip and then using using that clarity to assure you during a trip and in surrendering can be incredibly impactful incredibly impactful um yeah especially if you see psychedelics through the lens of, of spirituality you know, many people don't. And that's also beautiful. Like psychedelics are truly just a subjective experience. But um, for those who experience psychedelics through the lens of spirituality, it can be very impactful, I think, to read, to read a spiritual text before a trip and allow that to aid you in your practice of surrender. So um, incorporating that into what Jamie Will describes as another door to altered states of consciousness, which would be meditation. Mm. How has your experience with meditation been, um, uh, you know, after psychedelics and, and, and just in general, I guess. Yeah. I think for me, I, um, I have a relationship with my body that has been transformed through psychedelics. I think before my psychedelic experience, as I mentioned before, like the disconnect from my body, like I um, also didn't live a body in movement. Like I was very inactive, um, you know? And I think psychedelics through connecting me with my essence opened me up to wanting to do like that fire energy, the pitta energy of doing and wanting to create and wanting to be in movement and wanting to be in meditation, you know? So I think psychedelics introduced me um, or allowed myself to commit to a practice of meditation and to commit to a practice of movement. Um, like after like my trip, I, I, I had this urge the next morning to go running. And I, I like used to always say, I don't run unless someone's chasing me. I don't do that. You know, I used to actually say that. And then I was very resistant. And, um, and then after that, I just wanted to go and run through the, the trails and I did, and it felt great. And I was like, I felt very connected to myself and it wasn't even a thought of, I'm gonna do this. It was my letting my body um, and the intelligence of the body that wants to be in movement, that wants to expend energy, that wants to heal, you know, allowing that body's intelligence to shine through outside of the thinking mind. Because if we only listen to our thinking mind, even after a psychedelic experience, the thinking mind is still there. It's still gonna be like, no girl, stay home. Don't go running or, or don't meditate chill you know what i'm saying like it's not about transforming it's not always about transforming the thoughts in your head it's about um listening to the body regardless of the thoughts in your head because the body is so intelligent the body is so intelligent and i think the body you know craves the state of meditation craves stillness craves movement so it's not even like me deciding after a psychedelic experience i want to meditate now it's allowing my body's intelligence to, to shine through, you know, and my surrendering to my body, because those thoughts, I'm not saying that the thoughts aren't there, that I'm just like, I only think happy thoughts now. And I'm just on la la la, you know, because it's not that that's not the case. It's the trust and the surrender to the body that has ultimately been the most transformative. So what do you think maybe someone who has had a, a psychedelic experience, how do you think they maybe can use uh, meditation as a tool to integrate their psychedelic experience into their everyday life? Yeah, I think- Like yeah. as a more of a practical, I guess, I guess. Yeah, 
I think um, it's all in the practice. You know, it's all in the practice. Um, I really, like my last trip, literally two days ago, really drove this home for me. Like it's all in the practice because, you know, it's a preparation for death. You know, it's a practice. That's a practice. It's not something that we can think ourselves like intellectually, I was very unafraid to die before. You know, I was intellectually like, you know, if I got hit by a bus right now, I don't care. Fuck it, I don't care. You know, I don't care, I don't care. That that intellectual, like, on a fearlessness is, it's like, cool, you know, you have that. But then there is the embodied feeling of preparation for death. And that is um, a practice. So I think psychedelics, can introduce people to the importance of the spiritual practice. I think that's what it did for me. Um, it, it changed my relationship to my breath most recently. Like the breath as life, you know, like truly um, just being able to take a breath and just be returned to the present is something that, you know, it's the body's intelligence, but it's something that I've learned from my body during a psychedelic experience. Um, I forgot the question, but I wanted to share that most recently. Yeah, most recently, there was an experience where I was in a psychedelic state and my body started chanting. And it was um, my only my second time doing a full tab, but it was like um, almost as if I didn't have to surrender. My, my, my body took over for me. You know, it was like just an experience of surrendering my body and literally not having that the thought of I am a body I am here I am set you know like that was gone right and my body just like the intelligence of my body took over in the sense that it just started emitting a frequency like a, uh, you know the, the the chanting just came out of my body it was about an hour and I was just suspended I was I had no if you asked me where I was in that moment I would not answer you you know what I'm saying like it wasn't um, my, my mind was not active in that moment. My body's intelligence took over and my partner was next to me and he began chanting too. And there was a moment where like the frequencies of our chants actually like the sound waves combined in that moment to produce a, a different frequency than either of us had admitted. And it was just a fucking crazy ass experience to be honest. But in that moment, it was just so clear to me. Like I started saying like, wow, I'm never going to not trust my body again. I'm like, I'm, I'm just like never going to not trust myself again. That's just, it was just extraordinary. You know, like the, the fact that my body was emitting a frequency to release like pain. I felt like I was just releasing pain. Like it was doing that for me. Like the body has, the body has a tendency to heal. You know, the body like will do it for us. If we can suspend our mind and allow it. It's not trying, you know, it's not an act of trying. It's just an act of surrendering. Yeah. And I think a, a good way maybe to, because people I think might think like, oh my God, well, I've never experienced that. I don't even know what that is. And, you know, but I think, I think what you're talking about maybe can be compared to the flow state in the way that when you're in the flow state, you're not thinking about what you're doing. It's just literally like flow. Like if you ever experienced, um, you're just doing something and then it like an hour passes and you realize like, oh wait, oh my God, I've been doing this for an hour. Yeah. Oh my God, it has been produced. Like yeah. something, and you were in a, you weren't thinking, there was no judgment. There was no like, oh, I have to do this. And there's no thoughts about the process necessarily. You're just in it. And I think what you're talking about, is like obviously like a very um, 
more intense, uh, I guess, experience of what we'd call a flow state. Um, but yeah, so have you, do, yeah, what do you think about the flow state? And, you know, Jamie Will talks about it as one of the doors to an altered state of, con an altered state of consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Creation, like, is a channeling of consciousness. When we, like, are not in our thinking mind, like, channeling through creation is our body's intelligence too you know it's not even like a, like oh i'm talented because i can access the flow state we are all able to access the flow state you know like i feel like it's so interesting to think about like personality in the context of what we're talking about because like i feel like i've totally suspended my idea of personality like there is truly like like no concept of one person being able to access the flow suit more than another, or like it being reserved for like artists or creators. Like there's no, like we are all creators by virtue of having an intelligent body, like having a body being an organism, like that induces, um, induces a channeling of consciousness when we allow it, or not even when we allow it, when we surrender to it. Um, so I definitely agree with Jamie Wheel and yourself, like, flow state definitely is, an, is an, another altered state of consciousness and it truly is just the channeling of consciousness um and i think it's also a surrender you know because the thinking mind is going to judge the creation and like do all the things that it does you know when it hops from thought to thought and whatever but um i think creation is ultimately a surrender and it's something that you know there is no shame about you know there's no good or bad of creation which is something that I'm still learning as someone who has like not been in a state of creation up until recently you know not feeling deservingness of creation so I think it's like definitely another surrender because the body you know has a tendency to want to create to want to to want to channel consciousness you know it's the natural tendency of the body when we surrender when we surrender to it yeah, and what have been like, I guess, your practices that you've been able to channel flow state in? Yeah, I think for me, writing, um, speaking, like throat chakra, like actual expression of speaking with others, sharing ideas with others, like like FaceTiming Olivia, like me, Steven, my partner, and Olivia, like having a FaceTime call and us just sharing ideas, that is flow state to me. Like hearing your idea, like literally like, your expression of consciousness, like that's fucking like, speaking is flow state for me now. Um, as someone who like is reintroduced to the beauty of like expression through the third chakra, um, writing, um, running, movement, like biking, being like having the body be in movement. Um, I, I have a, a, a clinical role at my current position. And even in like the, the root, the, the parts where I do like root memorization things or data entry, like I'm able to access flow state in that too, you know, not all the time, you know, but sometimes, and it's, it's great, you know, just like the ability to just be the task, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be always a traditional art. It doesn't have to be like a painting or, you know, uh, sometimes it is, and that's beautiful too, but it can be anything as long as you are able to sus like suspend, you know, you're the self and become the task. Like truly just be the task as you do it. And I think we're all able to access flow state in life. And for me, those those have been the practices. Yeah, yeah, I think um, when I think about 
my experiences with traditional arts, but then also uh, people tend to access it when they're just doing sports. That's also like athletes um, tend to have, you know, the flow state, uh, the flow states tend to be associated with athletes a lot. So I think about how simple it is to just, yeah, like go for a run and, or do a sport. I think sport is uh, like a sport is more, because with running, I think people find it really mundane. So they're like thinking about it, judging it, thinking like, I have, oh, this hurts. Like, this is so boring. Like, I'm not even, you know. Um, and I think about how that, it's not about the task itself. Like you said, it's about our thoughts about the task that keep us from experiencing a flow state. And I think with my own experiences, I realized of like altered states of consciousness. I realized that it's never that we're like, we have to, force ourselves to go into a flow state it's that in our everyday consciousness usually when we're in a trauma response or survival mode and we've been conditioned to be that way all the time we're actually actively keeping ourselves from the natural flow state that we would be in otherwise if we would stop judging like we, we don't realize we're actively judging we're actively doing something all the time that keeps us from these natural places yeah yeah yeah, yeah i'm really happy you said that yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's so true. I feel like we don't see um, judgment as a doing, you know, it feels, I mean, it, it is largely unconscious, you know, and then we judge ourselves for judging. And then it's like, it, it really does like siphon up a lot of our doing energy, a lot of that like fire energy of creation. It siphons it up, you know? And when we think of our thoughts as just energy too, when we think of doing this as expressions of energy, it becomes clear how like that fearful, you know, thinking and judging like siphons up our created creation energy. And it is an expression of creation energy. So it's not that it's like, you know, bad or good. It's truly a choice. Yeah. It's truly a choice. Yeah. And I think um, with my own experiences, I realized that judgment and judgment just being defined as like coming to a conclusion about something. Mm. So like you are that, and that is like, mm. like this is bad and this is good. And there's like a stop to it. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that that is, or what from what I experienced was that that was what was holding my illusion up mm -hmm. and making me suffer. And I think that, so what I, so I, I experienced kind of this like bliss state from a meditation that was very unintentional. And from talking about it to you, I've seen like how there's similarities in what I experienced to what you experienced in a psychedelic state in the way, in the realizations I had. Um, and I think about how my experience came from just like, it was like so many, it was obviously in the midst of like the pandemic and it was March of 2021. So yeah, that it happened for me that I like became aware of myself and just realized that I was judging everything. So I, I like the altered state of consciousness was just like, I became conscious of the fact that I wasn't just like experiencing the world. I was like looking at something, judging it, experiencing something, judging it. Like, is that good or bad? I think it's bad. Like as if there was a, <laughs> a God that was, I, I described it to you like before that it was like, I was in a movie and things would happen and I had to figure out what like some other thing was doing to me like if it was a good movie or a bad movie and um I realized that I was doing I didn't realize until you know I had a, a reading with 
uh, Aaliyah from Spiritual Ship Podcast, and I became aware that I did that. So like, I I literally, so after I had that, it wasn't that she told me that I did that. It was just like, it, it just like, she just showed me myself almost. And I remember I was just like, I looked, just looked outside because I was outside and uh, like my mom's backyard and it's all like really grassy and green. And I was just like, oh my God, it's not, it's not good. And it's not bad. And it just is. And so I looked at everything that way and it wasn't conscious. And I wasn't aware that I was meditating. It just like afterwards, I was like, oh, that's what it was. But I like would look at like a spoon and I was like, oh my God, it's not, (laughs) (laughs) it just is. And everything became the same, you know, and I had a yeah, after like two days of just ex- like by doing that, it, it like let go of the judgment. Like there was no conclusion. Like I didn't know anything about it. So I realized that the mind was the thing wanting to know exactly what something was. Like exact I want to know what happens. I want to know what this is. I want to know to have a label for everything, um, which is not the reality of, of of the world. But we think that's really scary to accept that. So we don't go there. Um, but what led up to that point was a lot of suffering. Um, and it got to a point where I suffered so much that it was like my, I was able to let it go. Um, and I think with, uh, with people who have psychedelic experiences, it's like a compressed version of that. Like it doesn't have to go months. It's like you, so you maybe see things, like you said, like that you don't want to see, or you, you, that are just manifestations of your inner mind. Mm-hmm. And then like, you, I think you described before, maybe that, um, it kind of allows you to then resolve the issue, the 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 resistance to it, the fear to it. Um, so yeah, what do you think about this? Like, ju- I guess judgment, just judgment of um, the experiences we have, especially with psychedelics and what they how they can impact um, our experiences with them. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like judgment is okay you know Mm. like the fact that the human ego creates a separateness of like us and them it was created as like a life affirming function you know to ensure the survival of this being i had to be separate you know so i i see it as like an evolutionary gold you know it's beautiful but humans have reached a level where they don't need to be in a state of survival. You know, lucky us, you know, we don't need to be in, we, we are able to transcend that state and it's, it's a blessing to transcend that state, but don't like, it's, it's impossible to, you know, without practice, erase the human condition from inside, you know, like erase the erasure of judgment after a psychedelic experience. Like, maybe it happened to someone it didn't happen to me you know and it's, it's it's still a practice for me of of how do i commit to practices that allow me to surrender to my body's intelligence that allow me to surrender to my intuition and in those states there is no judgment you know so i don't see it as um, a trying to suspend judgment just to surrender even to judgment and 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 knowingness of that's my human state that's not who I am. I'm not going to act on that judgment. I'm not going to give that judgment like, like any, any substance. I'm going to observe, like observe it, you know, see it, see it as, as a condition of my, my, my organic intelligence, my evolutionary impulse, something that we all share as human beings, you know what I'm saying? See it for what it is and then realize that we don't have to act on it. 
We don't have to respond to it. We don't have to give it the, um, the positive reinforcement of reaction because then it just continues to propagate in that feedback cycle because, oh, my judgment led me to an experience that affirmed my ego. Okay, that feels good. I'm gonna do it again. You know what I'm saying? Like it creates a feedback loop when we react to it and when we, when we, when we uh, give it the weight, but when we just observe it, judgment just, just is, and it's not anything we have to try to get rid of. It's just a condition of humanness. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think honestly, like psychedelics have just allowed me to become so comfortable with my humanness, because mm -hmm. I think especially like, like, for us, for millennials, for Gen Z, whatever, people who are alive right now, you know, we live in a, in a state of like, really being experiencing species loneliness, you know, really being so separate from our humanness. You know, with the um, celebrityhood, you know, trying to trying to create this standard of glorified human that looks so good and smells so good, doesn't even smell human, doesn't look human, doesn't, you know, outside a superhuman, super not, you know what I'm saying? We we are like so uncomfortable with our humanness. Like during my trip, I had this, me and Steven both were like, you know, it must feel so good to shit outdoors, you know, <laughs> like the early humans used to look each other in the eye and one of them would be squatting and taking a shit and they would just look at each other and nod and just walk on by, you know, there was no, there was no, um, That's superhumanness right. to be strived for. We just were, you know, like we just, um, didn't glorify our own existence. You know, we allowed ourselves to be that beingness. And I feel like psychedelics have allowed me to feel like, just just integrate that that experience of humanness you know that that supersedes form and it really is just like our humanness that that allows us to have an ego and that allows us to suffer and that allows us to experience pain and joy all of that and you know just like Ram Dass says spirituality isn't a practice of trying to get a better life you know it's, it's a practice of just well, he doesn't say this latter part, but for me, it's just a practice of, um, of being human, you know, like allowing our human, observing our humanness. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, with a lot of people, including myself, whenever like get into spirituality as a means to, it's get like, let go of suffering. Um, it becomes another kind of illusion of the ego that you'll strive and one day become like a monk and Ram Dass like level of like unbothered and unfazed by the world and and I mean Ram Dass talks about this too that it's um it, it, it we kind of become like like oh my god like this material world is not significant or you know whatever and we 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 instead of um so we're so embedded into the material world and we believe in it and then we kind of are like trying to escape it when we when we realize oh it's not the only truth but I think for me I realized that like you were saying like it's a it, it but it's the experience we're having now so like they're like it's not separate from spirituality it's not like less spiritual because it just is and it's it's beingness is what makes it spiritual um and I think that was something that when I talked to some people it was and what I experienced too was like oh my god like I'm judging again, like, or I'm, I'm doing this. I'm not in, 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 in the presence. I'm not in the present moment. And, um, I think that is, the 
it like the for me i always remind myself like am i believing that this is not the way it should be mm. and that is actually what is keeping me from from this it's not oh if every if i could just meditate every day but i haven't or if i could just eat this and exercise every day but i haven't um it's not that you haven't done those things it's the fact that you think mm. that the way things are right now are not the way that they should be yeah. and that is the the judgment it's like i have an idea of what it is that i should be and it's not this right now um mm. and like eckhart told talks about there's what the, it's just the present moment that's all there is you know we have this image of like the future us or the past us that was like in a bliss state and we attach ourselves to these thoughts of and memories or um of ourselves mm -hmm. and that in itself is like takes away from from the presence from the 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 state of non-judgment bliss you know whatever it may be um yeah, yeah. Yeah, the illusion, the illusion of self. I feel like I love, love Eckhart Tolle's story of when he was sitting, um, and this is this is like page one or two of A New Earth, which is like such a beautiful text. But he describes like being fucking miserable as hell, like in college, just like really judgmental and just really like in his own misery um, and sitting and having a thought like I hate myself you know like I hate myself I hate myself and then this this just shocking thought of okay if I hate myself there must be two selves me and then the person who hates this person you know and in that moment he had a spiritual awakening because the illogic the illogic of that you know, was so striking to him. It propelled him into this vortex of meditation where he was so connected with the oneness of himself, you know, and it was just a really powerful experience. And it was, you know, a psychedelic experience, a mind manifesting experience um, that arose from just the, the realization. And I feel like it's like the, import, the, the importance of introspection too, because introspection allows us, allows us to realize, you know, just, just feel the illogic of, of the ego and in experiencing that illogic, like teach ourselves, you know, like learn from ourselves, our own experiences of confusion. And that doesn't make sense. Like that can't be, you know, no. we learn from those emotional states too, of the confusion and the, the, the rage and the, the, the dark, the darkness, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And he, he talks about how the beauty of being in the darkness of being lost and confused mm -hmm. and yeah. unconscious because then it's like so much more the experience of seeing the truth again is like so much more intense or like so much more beautiful and so like just you know uh like we yeah because i think there's a question of like why did we ever like lose our consciousness or why did we ever become unaware of ourselves of our true nature of our flow um if that's how we're supposed to be you know and um i think someone asked him that and he answered like well it's it's like you have now this deeper connection when you find it again it's a much deeper appreciation for it um yeah. I, I i told this to the other day like we talked about how humans you know they used to be just like animals you just see like they just observe they just are they just everything they, they don't think about what they're going to do they just do it you know it's like whatever they, they just flow with everything and that's how humans were at one point too um collectively just being you know there was no i am this and that is it was just like being um but 
the fact that we lost it kind of um and now are kind of or, or at some point regain it um it's like this beauty of finding something again um and then you just have a much deeper connection to it because you experience what it's like without it um uh and yeah so I think that's yeah I think I try to remind myself of that when I'm like oh I'm like not in a non-judgmental bliss state low like oh my god and I'm like well uh I don't know who said it but it was something like well the immediate feeling or the immediate thing that what happens when confusion arises the immediate next thing that would arise at some point is clarity mm. so you know at some point when the because and then everything always changes it's not going to stay there yeah. so the next thing is going to come is clarity when it goes when confusion goes so just be in the confusion now yeah you're describing the bardos you know the state of um the oscillation between clarity and confusion you know the the cycle of life death and rebirth you know like we die so many times in life you know um sometimes psychedelics feels like you know a, a pre-experience of the bardos because it really feels like um and the bardos are like the states of of death that are described in in buddhism yes right? yeah. um and there's like the bardos of life the bardos of death the bardos of um rebirth and and the bardos of karma i believe um but they're the the cycles of like life and death and the oscillation between clarity and confusion um and yeah and the experience of that as like a cycle you know as a natural cycle so even in those moments of confusion seeing it as the natural cycle like the natural cycle of beingness yeah so i think confusion is such a necessary part of the spiritual journey because in being confused we are propelled to be curious and take a deeper dive yeah and then allow and surrendering to it at some mm -hmm. point i think yeah. um is the power of it because that you can't be in confusion too long and try to think your way out of it you know like I think the most, the experiences I've had when it's like, just, it just cut, like you just kind of get out of confusion is when you just surrender to it and allow it, which is funny. Cause we, we think if we just have willpower and we think about it and we figure it out, then it'll, then we'll know, then the confusion will go. Um, usually it's not for me, it hasn't been like that. And I I'm reading, like I was telling you about a return to love by Marian Williamson. And she talks about um, the book of course in miracles and how the surrender to like a higher power um is allowing yourself to just let it go to just to just realize that you you know when you look around and you look at how the world functions and just literally like you're saying like flower blooming it doesn't have to think about that you don't have to think about that and it still will do it anyway um, or like the 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 in the Tao Te Ching the that text it's like the a quote that's like like nature never hurries but everything always gets done mm. and how we we really think we control a lot more than we do and it's fun and it's beautiful and it's really cool um but then sometimes it's like remembering that oh wait like i didn't even build anything like i didn't build the home i'm in i didn't have to i didn't have to put my body together i don't have to think about, <laughs> about it 
and it just does it and so i think remembering that is like very like just let just letting go it, it's it allows for surrender um where we've been conditioned to believe that like we cannot it's like giving up and then bad things you're just allowing like a threshold of bad things to come to you you know um, so yeah i think surrender is at the core of, of of spiritual practice and just surrendering to what is now yes yeah. yes yes mm -hmm. I, I i would completely agree i would completely agree surrender is so transformative surrendering to your body's intelligence truly like yeah, I feel like that my experience of surrendering and my body emitting just that sound where it was truly outside of my thoughts really taught me that because it, it allowed me to understand that the body like releases trauma, releases pain, releases joy, releases emotions, releases energy, you know, as a, as a means of returning us to our homeostasis, returning us to our balance. Like the body has a natural trajectory towards wholeness you know, when we allow it, mm. when we allow it. And I think for people who are curious about psychedelics, um, the curiosity might come when they realize that they struggle with surrender. Because I think before my first psychedelic experience, I realized, um, or maybe not even realized, I think it was more just an understanding that, I guess I realized <laughs> how um, hard it was for me to surrender, you know, and some the, the the understanding that psychedelics would propel me towards that surrender in a really uh, to totalizing way was the allure of it for me. And you know, I, my intuition was right there. You know, for people who struggle with surrendering and allowing their body's organic intelligence to to shine through, and whether that that difficulty is an experience it usually is an experience of trauma of not trusting your body's intelligence. Um, these experiences allow us to, to experience surrender, you know, and experience the, the body's intelligence in a really beautiful way. Yeah. Whether it's like, you know, you're getting up and you're just shaking and you're just releasing all that energy that way, whether it's like what, like a, a vocal, frequency emitting through your body, whether it's like um, just an understanding, a clarity, a feeling of peace, like those experiences are so like beautiful. And I'm so grateful to be able to experience psychedelics in that way. Um, I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, thanks for the conversation. I think we can wrap it up there. Um, do you want to share any resources for people who might be interested in psychedelics from this like like spirit specific resources they can go to yeah absolutely um so many i think mm -hmm. double blind is a great resource i think and they just, they just put out like the first major psychedelic campaign right like yeah like in in times oh in new york the times square yes yeah yes. Yes, I'm so like in awe of how the plant medicine movement is taking off. I think it's beautiful. Yeah, um, Double Blind, Psychonaut Wiki, Reddit, to be honest. Oh. Um, spiritual shit, that episode on mushrooms. I don't, I think it was episode 19. I would, I would do a search. That episode framed my first mushroom experience in a really beautiful way. Um, I think 
spiritual texts, you know, it's not the first thing we think of when we think of a psychedelic resource, but I think it can uh, provide a lot of um, context for these yeah. experiences. Yeah, our new earth by Eckhart Tolle. new earth, hell yeah, new earth, Tibetan book of living and dying. Um, the Tibetan book of dying, I have not read it, but um, I know it was a pivotal text during the psychedelic movement in the 70s. Many people read that book for psychedelic experiences and it, it's a complex text, but it grounds a lot of their experiences. Um, There's also um, an app now called Fireside Project. The Fireside okay. app. Yeah, that is just a hotline for if maybe you're in a psychedelic experience or afterwards, you can call them and talk to them about it. Yeah, and, and those are the resources that come to mind at the moment, but um, feel free. We have, um, my partner and I, Steven, have a very bare bones um, Instagram. And I think of it more as just a place where people can contact us to ask questions, to share experiences. Um, it's, I don't even know where we're at. Give me one moment. I don't know where the uh, underscore is. Yeah, that, that's my struggle with it too. Trip underscore N chips. And that's an N, not an and. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to contact us, you can contact us there. Um, we're hoping to build it out as a harm reductionist resource. And I think for me, my, my curiosity is with embodiment and how psychedelics can provide an opportunity for people who have experienced disembodiment to, to re-experience embodiment. So that's something I'm always willing to be in conversation with people about. If that's an experience you have, I would love to speak to you or whoever it is about it. That's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, and I love speaking on it. I love speaking on this. Thank you, Olivia. Thank you. <laughs> this has been Thank awesome. Thank you for coming on. And we have, I think this is a really cool um, subject matter. It's either, I think a lot of resources either just that focus on healing never bring in psychedelics or or it's only psychedelics so that's an interesting thing that i've seen with um healing spaces um so i think it's cool that we talked about different types of kind of altered state of consciousness and what Absolutely. yeah all right well thanks for coming on thanks for listening to the listeners for watching <laughs> yeah have a great rest of your day Thank you, Olivia. I love you. I love you.